Hey everybody, welcome to the Song Revolution Podcast, brought to you by Nashville Christian Songwriters. Nashville Christian Songwriters exists to empower Christian songwriters worldwide. I'm John Chisholm, and this podcast exists to bring you valuable songwriting insights, inspiration, interviews, and just all-around good fun with some of the greatest songwriters, producers, arrangers, artists, and creatives, and beyond. You can find out a whole lot more about us at NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com. And it's time for another great episode of the Song Revolution Podcast. Hey, everybody, John Chisholm. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to sit around with me and get inspired and get all fired up as we have great guests, inspiration, information, all around grooviness for you here on the show. Today, I have a great new friend named Anthony Bruno. Anthony is one of the leaders from a company out of Denver named Royalty Exchange. And last year, I actually did an auction with two of my past catalogs, hundreds of songs through Royalty Exchange, and they are excellent. They're amazing people. And I've gotten to know them. I've made great friends with Anthony, with Clayton, with Trevor, with Gary, with Nick, and I hope I didn't leave anybody out. But they're opening an office here in Nashville. And earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with Anthony and actually talk through what an auction with Royalty Exchange looks like. Of course, I know because I walked through it with them. But just for your sake, I wanted you to hear about this side of the music business. We don't spend a lot of time on this, but I think it's going to be fascinating. Anthony wrote for Billboard magazine during the entire shift from analog to digital. So this guy was writing about that shift journalistically at a very, you know, obviously high-end magazine over those years. And he's got a lot to say about it. He's got a lot of interesting things to share with you. He's fun. We had a great time, a great talk. He's fascinating. So I think you're going to enjoy with me my new friend from Royalty Exchange, Anthony Bruno. Hey, Anthony, it's great to have you on the show today, hey, man. Thanks for having me. I know it's been a while since we t- t- first started talking about doing this, so I'm really excited that we're finally able to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said in the intro, uh, you know, I love Royalty Exchange. I love what you guys are doing. Thank and you. Now you guys are opening up shop here in Nashville, right? We were moving a few guys down here, exactly. We don't have an office location or anything like that just yet. It's going to be a little bit more remote at, to start. But yeah, I mean, Nashville is just a, you know, it's a really fantastic town with a lot of, you know, Great concentration of songwriters, a lot of people in the business. And, Absolutely. you know, for a small company, it makes sense to start off somewhere like this. Yeah. Well, you've got, and I want to talk all about that. And I want to talk about my experience in the last year with Royalty Exchange and what a great uh, blessing you guys have been to me as we've started NCS. And mm-hmm. you've helped, you know, with the financial backing for what we're doing. It's really gotten us through last year in a big way. And so I want to talk about that. But Fantastic. let's talk a little bit about you sure. and about your musical background. Because okay. I know that you've got some chops. You're not you're, <laughs> not you're exactly not, in the way you're you might not a think. newbie to this thing, right? <laughs> so tell us kind of who you are, sure. and your history. In this sure, thing. yeah. So uh, let me just first start by saying I'm not in any way a musician or a music uh, creator, other than playing tuba in high school band for a little bit. That's about the extent of my uh, actual musical background. My chops are more in the in the music business end. So um, I was a uh, I was a reporter for Billboard magazine for about seven years. And uh, I always had the fortunate um, circumstance to uh, cover the digital music business from pretty much its very early stages. Uh, I think I started working at Billboard just after the launch of iTunes, the music store. Uh, and so this was before the iPhone, the iPod 
was around, but the iPhone hadn't yet uh, come around yet, and this was 2005. Wow. So 2005 to about 2012, I was I was at Billboard magazine and um, covered all of the different uh, developments, the ups and downs. Some things are still here, many things are not. Um, Funny story is I actually came from the wireless industry. I was a reporter covering, um, and actually worked at a trade association for the wireless industry, where my specialty was uh, what was called then wireless data. You know, things where you could first start getting, you know, texts and uh, and websites on your phone and things like that. So I started off with that because at the time the music business. Um, felt that ringtones were going to be the big savior, right? Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely, right. So, like, you know, you, you had uh, they had the piracy hit hit, and you know, ninety nine was when Napster, you know, kind of first started changing things, and there was many years of, of all that disruption. When they saw the labels had seen that um, people were buying ringtones, but they weren't buying songs, so they figured, okay, ringtones are going to be our new music product that we're going to move. And so, Billboard wanted someone who knew that space because I came in, I didn't know anything, I didn't know. The labels, I didn't know how publishing worked, I knew nothing. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how it started, but that expanded to streaming, downloadable um, music, um, video games, MySpace, and the, and the uh, social network. I mean, all those things kind of fell under my area of coverage. So it was, a, it was a good opportunity to really get in on the new music business, as you might call it, uh, at the very beginning. You know, it's kind of hard to think back. You said 05. <laughs> 05. Right? Yeah. And we didn't have iPhones? No iPhone In 05? Really? Yeah. People, how did we live without an iPhone? I, 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 if you remember the way it worked then, it was so it was very clunky. I mean, you had the iPod was the only device that you can play music that you bought from iTunes, right? Because of the whole DRM thing. That's an old... Digital rights management yeah. is what it stands for, yeah. and it really kind of screwed up how, how digital music got started. And so it could only work. That's why Apple had the dominant position that they gained, and all the other platforms they had like these Microsoft uh, devices that were supposed to work with the other services, and they didn't really work properly. But they didn't, none of them worked with the i uh, uh, with um, iTunes, right? So it was just a mess. And streaming was even harder. Like you didn't you had these devices that didn't have connectivity, so you had to register a device with the computer monthly in order to play streaming songs that you had saved on that. I mean. I mean, it was, it's almost laughable when you think about it now. Yeah, it sounds like dial-up or yeah, something, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, like a little external <laughs> modem with a little funny noise. It's oh, kind of yeah. like that level of, uh, of evolution yeah. in the music business. Yeah. So, yeah it's pretty I, different. You know, fortunately, I worked for some forward-thinking people here in the music business at Star mm-hmm. Song Music. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the day, I mean, the, the uh, chief operating officer, she had a vision for what tech was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were all given, they make fish bowls out of them now, but the little, you know, the little plastic, uh, the very first Macs. I oh, yeah, 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 number, yeah. I don't know yeah, the, the number the, of them. But maybe the iMac or something with the, the personalized colored plate in the back. It yeah. wasn't even, it wasn't even, they weren't even colors then. I oh, mean, okay. They were just like this ugly beige. Oh, yes, and the Apple II's. And it had the floppy disk. Yep, And yep. it was so slow. We'd all just die if we had to use that these days. Oh, yeah. But she was so forward thinking. And so I started, you know, with that way back and have just walked through the entire evolution of the tech stuff. But it sounds like you have two. Mm-hmm. And so, but you come at this from a journalistic kind of background. Originally, yes. I was a reporter uh, if you count the days from before Billboard to, to when I left for good, about 20 years altogether is what I was doing in different areas. Um, but I said about so the last seven of which were at Billboard and then I left uh, to sort of just pursue consulting. Um, I was interested in, you know, basically at the end of the day, I'm a storyteller. I like to learn things and tell people about it. That's always been what I like to do. And um, 
journal, the state of journalism is a little bit different today than it was uh, back then. I think a lot of journalists feel a lot of the same pressures of the uh, way the internet's sort of disrupted their livelihood much the way that artists and songwriters have. And so I kind of saw a lot of that coming and decided to, to make a, a switch on my own rather than being forced to uh, when I wasn't prepared. And so I started working for companies who also wanted to tell their stories and just needed someone with a different frame of mind um, to do so and with a little bit of a background in, in the business. So that that included many music companies as well, but also some outside of the music business. But I just keep on kind of getting pulled back into those music companies. They find me somehow, you know. I mean, I'm based in Denver, Colorado, which is not exactly a huge music industry hub, yet, right. you know, I, I was able to still find uh, plenty of exciting projects to work on, so it was yeah. fun. Yeah, well, I mean, with the Billboard background and all that, getting to know famous people, I assume? And Most of them were just the business folks. I mean, I interviewed oh, okay. a lot of artists, don't get me wrong, but my job was not to talk to um, artists very much. I mostly talk with the executives at the labels or at the music services and the technology folks, so that was more my sort of realm that I covered, but uh, yeah, I definitely are, did interview a number of artists on those same topics as well, some who knew a little bit more about what we were talking about than others. I mean, right, right. It's a spectrum. Well, I happen to know that your associate Nick yes. was an A and R guy yes. in New York, yes. and uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket mm-hmm. and Alice in Chains mm-hmm. were two of his uh, biggest clients, I guess. I guess I mean, those maybe- are two of the two of the bigger signings that he uh, was responsible for that I know about. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. others, but those are the first two that come to mind. But mm-hmm. yeah, Nick's been around as well, and he knows he knows everybody. That's cool. Well, we love having you on. Maybe oh, we'll interview you. him another time. Oh, great. Yeah, I'm sure you'd love it. <laughs> uh, my dad was a reporter oh. uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, oh. all of my life, basically. And I didn't know that. So very familiar with the whole journalism thing. And mm-hmm. I'm using a lot of journalism right now. Just, uh, yes, interviewing you know, people. And what we're doing with the uh, podcast. And all it is is just talking to people, asking questions, and, and telling good stories. That's really yeah, what it is at fun. the end of the day. It's fun. I love it, too. And I, I love just getting to know what makes people tick when we have artists or anyone. Songwriters, mm-hmm. uh, industry people. I always like to ask about your motivations. Mm-hmm. You know what really motivates you to do this, and I think mm-hmm. that you've already explained that quite a bit. And helping people, uh, connecting the dots, mm-hmm. uh, helping people find the kind of financing through this these new things that Royalty Exchange does. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of uh, just kind of the broad view of yeah, what you're doing there absolutely. with Royalty Exchange? Uh, happy to. So you know what Royalty Exchange does is uh, we are and we are we're a platform an online platform that connects uh, creators with investors uh, as a way of helping them raise money in a, in a bit of a different way than might be traditionally available. Uh, so the, we have a number, like about 22,000 or more, maybe closer to 23,000 investors registered as members on our platform. And these are people who are looking for uh, invest, investments of different kinds, and they come to us to invest in royalty streams. Okay, So we allow them to buy a share of an artist's royalty stream without that artist having to give up uh, control of their copyright without them having to sell their entire catalog or their entire song. They're able to simply determine on their own how much of what they are currently uh, earning through royalties to make available to an investor. And what the investor does is pays an upfront um, lump sum of money, like uh, usually a multiple on that uh, on whatever is being sold last 12 months of earnings, they get that large lump of money uh, up front to do whatever they want with, and then the investor gets a percentage uh, of that artist's royalty stream either forever, or we have an option where you can uh, have that royalty stream return back to you after a number of years. Uh, and that's basically how it works. So it's, it's really, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's different than an advance, okay, in that with an advance, usually you, you get the advance from whoever's providing the advance, and then anything you make going forward 
at least in part, goes to paying back that advance. Sometimes everything to your recoup, sometimes just a portion. But the point is, any, even any new music you make after the advance, the proceeds from that is going back to pay off that advance. With us, it's different. You're only selling a part of your existing royalty stream. So when you collect the money from the investor um, through, the, through the process of working with us, if you make any new music with that, with that uh, capital, anything you earn from that new music remains all yours. So you're only paying it from the proceeds of your back, uh, an older work. And that's a little bit of a different concept, basically. Right. Well, and I've experienced this firsthand. Yes, you have. You know, I, I actually did my auction with you guys last year. Mm-hmm. It was about this time last year when I pulled yes. the trigger. Yeah. And we did it. And I found you guys through Facebook. Yep. Through a Facebook funnel, a mm-hmm. Facebook ad. Yes, and yeah. I do Facebook funnels for our uh, our NCS boot camp, uh-huh. our, our premium uh, coaching offer is okay. really through a Facebook ad. Okay. Primarily, we have a lot of cold traffic. I talk to uh, aspiring songwriters every day, okay. and uh, some of them join up. You know, if they're smart, they join up to the <laughs> to the premium bootcamp. But that's how I stumbled into you guys, okay. and I saw this ad, and I thought. Uh, because I have, I've had over 400 songs recorded mm-hmm. uh, in my career, and I've been at this for almost 35 years. And I've watched over the last uh, number of years, really uh, over five years ago, where it started dwindling. Mm-hmm. You know, just the the quarterly income, annual mm-hmm. income was really going south. Right. <laughs> and so when I, I forget what your ad even is, but, or was at that yeah, time. That's a long, we've had several since I'm then. I'm sure so. you have. Yeah. <laughs> but it caught my eye because it's like, I, there I was with all of these, uh, copyrights, mm-hmm. these, these two, two main catalogs. One, when I was with the Gaithers organization here mm-hmm. in town, Starsong Media, and it got sold years ago and folded into Capital EMI Music Group okay. and that. So, but hundreds of songs sitting there that nobody knows that aren't getting on new recordings. Mm-hmm. Songs I love, love these songs. I mean, my heart and soul are in these songs, Anthony. You mm-hmm. have to know. I can only imagine. And, you know, that catalog and then my Integrity Music catalog, when I was uh, managing all the songwriters there, I got to write and I did several, a couple of recordings with them and that have gone worldwide. I have a small handful of what I'd call racehorse copyrights that were earning big, right? Okay, okay. Songs and hymnals, songs sure. that have gone over all around the world. And yet I watched as the income was shrinking and shrinking because those copyrights weren't being re-upped, if you will. Sure. Because they're older, mm-hmm. because everybody's into the hip-hop, cool, what's happening now stuff. And, you know, it's just a cycle, right? A right. season. And when I saw your ad, it's like, hmm, wonder if I could monetize these back catalogs and, you know, see what happens. So yeah. I just called you guys up. Oh, and we're glad that you did. It's been it's been great to, to know you, and I'm glad we've kept in, in touch uh, since then. And it's been mm-hmm. a year now. I can't Time flies. It's kind of amazing, but that's but that's one of the things that people get a little uh, not confused, but they kind of want they don't always understand what the motivation of the investor is. Why would an investor want to acquire a catalog that, that you're saying uh, obviously is, is starting you know to dwindle over time? And I think it's really a matter of looking at the perspective of, of of who it is we're talking about here as a songwriter, as someone who earns a living from this music, from these royalties. They, they need to perform at a certain level to be meaningful to you. Okay, that's your income. All right. Um, yes, they do decline, but they, they either decline very slowly or they usually reach a certain plateau and sort of stay around that same level for, for a long time. All right. Now, as an investor, they've got other sources of, 
of income. All right, what they're doing is trying to find an investment that's going to bring them a return, that's going to provide what we call in the investment world yield. Okay, uh, and so you can take your money and put it in a savings account and earn. I don't know, 0.5%, maybe, you know, maybe a percent now. I don't even know what it's what it's at, but it's pretty low. Or you can put in the stock market, which is really volatile, and yet maybe you make a lot or maybe it really goes down. So on. So what they look at here is they look at the the while your revenues uh, from your royalties may have declined a bit to no longer be meaningful to you, that low level of of royalties that are being delivered on a consistent, regular, and expected and predictable basis is very interesting to an investor who's looking at this as one of many different investments that they might have. Okay, so that's the motivation from the investor, and they 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 see this as an, a, a, a way of generating uh, yield, return on their on their capital in larger increments than they could in, say, a safer um, bet like a savings account, but more um, uh, stable than, say, the stock market, and even more importantly, unrelated to the stock market. So they also have stocks, and the stock market might crash. But if the stock market crashes, the, the, the revenue being created by royalties isn't affected by that, okay? We call it uncorrelated. What happens is the the amount that the rate that you're owed for the use of your music is going to stay the same whether the stock market's up or down. That remains constant. It's based on usage. To your point, right? Generally, you know, usage has been has shown no correlation to going up, or, or actually shows correlation to going up in in, in in down markets, right? People consume more entertainment. Maybe they go to church more when they're in, you know, when they, you know, what I'm saying this kind of thing. Yeah, they go pray for the for the stock to turn around, maybe. But the point is, it's it's a it's a different kind of risk than the risk they take in other areas, and that's what makes it so um, so attractive to them. Right, right. Well, I get that, and I mm-hmm. and I think that the future of streaming could make these catalogs. You know, skyrocket. I mean, there's a, there's the uh, absolutely selling the futures of these things. Absolutely. I mean, we've we, so when we people come to us, we have to take a look at their catalog. We kind of do a valuation and an analysis, and we understand is this trending upwards, downwards, the same. What's go, you know all these things. And when we first started out about two years ago, um, what you'd see was generally everything had some level of what we would call you know decay or decline uh, taking place. It was it was usually okay. The year over year trends are slow are somewhat you know even marginally but still going down. The streaming um, impact has been felt. Okay, in the, in, the, in the last year, I'd say in the last six months, even when we're looking at things, we generally see more of a of an incline. Now it was going like this, and now it's just starting to kind of come up. So we're seeing catalogs that are now showing rates of increase, depending on it. it very much depends on the type of write, the type of catalog, and that sort of thing. Um, and one of the more real interesting things I think is that um, the the like yourself, the, the the music and the royalties that do the best. On our platform are those that have been around uh, for a longer period of time, because there's a longer time frame for an investor to, to to analyze and judge whether or not this is something worth investing in. All right, we call it dollar age. It's kind of a strange name, but basically, a song written last I'm sorry, a song that earned five thousand dollars last year, but was written ten years ago, uh, or at least was was released rather ten years ago. Okay, that's gonna be worth more to an investor than a song that earned five thousand dollars last year, but was only released the year before. Interesting. Okay, so that's that's a huge um, differentiation that a lot of people in the music industry might expect because everyone it's all about what's new and what's sure. hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the whole concept of royalties, or the maybe not the concept, but the knowledge of how royalties work can be really baffling to a lot of uh, the people that are probably watching yeah. uh, this live or even hearing the podcast. Hey, right? I mean, we work at the intersection of music royalties 
and finance. So if there's ever two very confusing uh, you know, concepts sort of clashing together, right. that makes my job as communications director pretty interesting because I'm trying to educate a lot of people about a lot of different things. One side doesn't always understand how the other works and vice versa. And, it, and it's, it takes a lot of education and a lot of communication. We're going to take just a quick break and talk about something that I think is going to be very valuable for you as a Christian songwriter. So check it out. Do you feel like God's given you a bunch of songs, but you don't know what to do with them? Do you feel like you've got a real call on your life to write, but you're clueless about where to start? Or maybe you've got writer's block and you're wondering if you'll ever get the creative juices flowing again. Well, we've got you covered with NCS Membership. NCS Membership is all about community and how to grow in this calling you feel deep inside to be heard. We get it. We know that you just want to honor God with your talents and be a good steward of what he's given you. And that's why NCS membership could be your next right step to grow, learn, be challenged, get connected, and ultimately fulfill your dreams to glorify God and reach others with the same passion you feel. It's designed to help you tell your story and to reach listeners who will love your songs. With your NCS membership, you'll receive two free song critiques, 24-7 access to valuable masterclasses on topics such as modern hymn writing, worship writing, song form, lyric development, and recording home demos, as well as discounts for other NCS products, and a deep connection into a community of creatives who get you. There are a lot of songwriters out there, so you need to be the best you can be to stand out, be heard, and become the songwriter you were born to be. Just go to NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com now to check out all the great benefits of becoming part of a decidedly Christian community of songwriters from all over the world. NCS Membership, your next right step to being heard. Well, I just hope that you'll take advantage of that and check it out. All right, we bring you good stuff here on the Song Revolution podcast. So back to our episode. You know, the two most downloaded podcasts here on our show, number one is John Mays, who's the head of Centricity mm-hmm. uh, Music here in Nashville. Uh, his episode called How to Make It in the Christian Music Industry uh-huh. Business. And the one where we had uh, one of my dear friends, Susan Fontaine Godwin, she owns the copyright Christian Copyright Solutions. Oh, and so her episode on copyright which touched on royalties a little bit, but it was really more about copyright, uh, different kind of licenses and that. That's the second most downloaded wow. episode here. So it's great to be doing another one. Oh, talking about Fingers this. crossed. I know, right? <laughs> so Download this Anthony one. Anthony be like, you know, Eclipse, John Mays and the whole thing. But, <laughs> but the whole point is that you can make money at song royalties, you know? Yeah, you, you could definitely make more money uh, on, on well with your royalties in different ways than you maybe could in the past because there's more people that are interested in getting involved. See, the position that we take is we are not just, and this is often a point of confusion, that we don't buy the music royalties. Royalty exchange doesn't buy royal, uh, music royalties. Royalty exchange does not provide advances. It is not. We're not putting our money at stake in this, in this transaction. And that's good for those people that we work with because we are not negotiating against you. We're not trying to get the best deal for ourselves when we give you money and get in return your royalties. That's not the dynamic that this, this is. It is with almost everyone else that you might want to work with. And that's not always a bad thing, but that's always there. If, if you're negotiating with a bank or with a label or a publisher or any maybe a private advance company, all of them, it's their money that they're putting at stake. So they naturally have to try to get the best, hopefully fair deal for themselves 
but the, there, at some point there's a balance where that means you don't get as good a deal for you. Whereas with our platform, we take a commission on any on any sale that takes place on the on the platform, right? We bring in competition so that there's multiple bidders bidding over your either to buy or probably out in advance on, on your royalty stream. So they're they're competing against each other. That generally tends to raise the price, and it definitely ensures that you're going to get the best price that that market can support. So you don't walk away wondering, hmm, if I had gone over here, could I have gotten a better deal? You'll right. you'll know, right. okay? And and we're incentivized to get everyone the best deal. Our incentive our incentivization is to create a healthy marketplace. The more people like yourself we make happy and come back and recommend others, the better we do. The more investors that feel happy with their investment, they come back and, and send others. That's our motivation. So it's a much different dynamic working with us than you would get with, say, really anyone else. And right. you know, you do have to be careful when it comes to monetizing uh, your royalty stream because whenever you talk about things like royalties and sales, naturally a red flag uh, will go up because there's been a lot of bad actors in the space uh, historically and even still today that should make you be very careful about you know who are you going to work with and who are you going to you know strike a deal with 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 your royalties because this is your livelihood your income and to your point your heart and soul that you that you put into these oh, songs yeah. oh yeah last year when i was trying to make the decision we had the deal totally in place mm-hmm. i knew everything about what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, there are no guarantees when you go out to auction. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some predictors, right? Mm-hmm. But you guys don't, you never told me an exact number you thought I would get, right? I mean, I don't think, I mean, we, no. we usually provide a range. I think it was a range, but okay. it was, wasn't like, okay, we're guaranteeing that you're going to come back at this because yeah, you don't cause know. Because we don't know, exactly. You don't know. Well, it was far away and above, you know, <laughs> what I thought it was going to be. So, um, but the biggest decision I had to make was an emotional one. Yes. I had to look at all of those songs that I'd written over a 30-year period. Mm-hmm. I had to look at them. That's not totally true because it was a, those were two older catalogs. So I wrote them basically over about a 15-year period. Mm-hmm. But they were, they're 15 or 20 years old now, mm-hmm. like those catalogs. So, But I had to separate myself and look at it as a business transaction, look at it as those were uh, my intellectual properties mm-hmm. that I could do something with. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were, uh, as we we're building Nashville Christian Songwriters, you know, we needed and uh, we needed some cash. We needed some, in, you know, money mm-hmm. coming in as a startup. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, this is what we're pouring our lives into exactly. to empower Christian songwriters worldwide. And it's the convergence of my whole life. You know, I mean, this is what I, I wanted to write a song for Jesus when I was 18 years old and never dreamed it would turn into over 400 songs recorded, traveling the world, singing, ministering, working in the music business. And then having left the music business for a, a long season to be coming back and here I am again, yeah. sitting right by Music Row with you guys. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just kind of amazing, but it was, it was the right thing at the right time for me. Well, great. And, and what, what's really interesting is that whenever you bring up the idea of you know, selling royalties or leveraging royalties in some fashion to raise money, there's a misconception that um, a lot of the motivation is out of some kind of desperation. Uh, typically, that's what happens in the advance world because advances are quick, they're easy, and they're known. And people end up getting kind of bad deals in the advances because they need the money right now. You can get, you know, those happen more quickly. With us, in my, it, it, we work very, uh, I think, very quickly. We could usually turn things around in about 30 days. But the idea is that most people that come to us don't just say, hey, here's all my stuff. How much can I get for it? It's usually, I need to raise around this much money for this thing, for this next music project, for this tour, for this house, 
whatever it might be. They have a num- there's usually a number in mind. So what we do is we work with the with the artist and say, okay. Let's see what your catalog is earning. Okay, based on these earnings, you should probably sell this much of it. And you could either do it, again, you could either do it for perpetuity, which would get around this range, or you can do it uh, where they come back to you after 10 years and you can kind of get around this range. And we'll provide you with that with those estimates. And so that way you don't have to give up any more than you really have to in order to achieve what it is you want to achieve. And that's the whole point. You shouldn't be forced into an all or nothing deal. And one thing I want to add is that since we've worked with you, we've got a new tool. It's not quite live yet, but it should be uh, live fairly soon where we're going to be offering a, an, a free automatic catalog valuation and analysis app online. And what that will let you do is if you go to the site, it's worth.royaltyexchange.com. Uh, right now, it's just leave an email and we'll send you a link when it's live, but we're talking about a couple of weeks here. The idea is that you would uh, provide some information about your catalog, mostly the public performance royalties. That's what we, that we tend to work with most with the PROs and whatnot. And uh, it'll, it'll uh, give you back, and that's a range. Here's sort of the range that we think we can raise for you on our platform if you were to opt for the 10-year the, the royalty return back to you after 10-year option. Okay, so you'll get a, a minimum, maximum number. Okay, and then below that will be an analysis of the other elements of the catalog, things that we look at when we provide that valuation. It'll be your top earning songs, the trends, uh, of those top earning songs, are they going up or down? Um, some 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 are going down, but still top earning. Some are going up, a little bit less. But it'll show you that for the last year and for the last uh, three years. It'll show you lifetime trends. It'll show you your top sources of income: radio, streaming, uh, physical CD sales, etc. Right? It'll show you all of that, and all this is something that'll provide for you automatically. You don't even have to have a phone call with us. You get the information, and now you're armed with this. Uh, valuation and with this estimate, which you can use to compare against other deals, which you can use just to have peace of mind about understanding how your catalog's performing. Um, and, and it's all just you know, for you to use to have your information because we believe information is power. Information is the one thing that creators typically in the music industry have lacked. Someone usually tells them or, or something like that. And, and that's, a, that's a power dynamic that, that probably needs to change a little bit and, have, and, and let the artists have a little bit more information about what it is they're doing because it is not just their art, but it is, to your point, also their business. Well, and, and if, if they're like me, you know, they tend to just think about getting the songs cut, written, mm-hmm. and placed, and see checks coming in the mail. And I, I know some writers that are pretty uh, uh, serious about scoping their... Uh, um, royalty statements mm-hmm. I, I never was it's like oh, I put the check in the bank and move on well, it's you know, also it was really hard to do that you know yeah. so having ways to make that easier for you I think might change some of those things yeah absolutely and so and things have changed a lot you know in in the last 15-20 uh, years since I was with those larger companies mm-hmm. doing that right and uh, I tend to be more uh, spaced out and creative and just <laughs> yeah, you know, thinking about the lyrics of the music you know sure. as a lot of writers well there's a time are. for that you know, yeah. I was at I was at uh, the ASCAP Expo conference uh, last uh, last week, and uh, there was a, there was a panel there, and someone said something that I thought was very interesting. It was that you know, there's with any job, you should always set yourself certain times to do certain things, and where you let yourself be here for this, and let yourself be there for that. And you know, one of the things is you know, definitely create time to think about your art and your work. In fact, that should be most of it, but you should have some portion, whether it's of your week or of your month, where that's going to be where you dedicate to your business. And to use that time, focus on your business, get, answer the questions you have to have answered, address the concerns that you have, and come to resolution with those things. And this isn't even about selling. This is generally getting your, your, your affairs yeah. in order. That's going to make the time that you've given yourself to create far more effective and valuable because you're not having that nagging thing in the back no, of your right. head, right? Yeah, I have to do the same thing with NCS. I have to set aside time to work 
on my business instead of just in my business. Right. You know, because we're exactly serious. I mean, we're we're constantly working to help people understand what we're doing, just as you do, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. people look at what we do and it's mysterious to them, and uh, they, they they think if they can just get me on the phone, then they're suddenly going to be discovered, and they're going to be a hit songwriter and get on the radio and meet you know Lauren Daigle or somebody big in the music business. Sure. And it doesn't really work like that. Rarely, you know, you've got to have songwriting chops if you're going to be heard in this town because there's about a million you know driving by the windows here on the street right <laughs> yeah, I mean probably. 78 have gone by in the last 10 minutes out there so it's it's kind of like that it's like this whole mysterious royalty thing how does it work but it starts with writing great songs and being a creative right right, right. starts with writing great songs so you got to have the the skills you've got to have the hustle and you probably have to have a little bit of luck I mean, let's be honest. That's Absolutely. that's kind of what's involved in these things. But mm-hmm. people make their own luck, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, with the with the financial part of it, it's like. And there was. I'm also here for the music biz conference that's taking place uh, currently. And, and another interesting thing I heard on on the stage is that you know you want to have you want as a as a creator you need to give yourself the room and the ability to be able to say no. Okay, having your finances in order allows you to say no. To things, if they're not, you have to say yes to everything just to continue to to, to work. Exactly. I mean, so are you writing the music that you want to write, or are you writing the music that you have to write in order to keep doing other things? And so, uh, you know, when you have those royalty streams that are more what some people call bill money than actual real money, right? Sometimes, you know, taking a portion of those, raising a lump sum of capital, having that. Bi- uh, my RCE always says the right amount of capital injected into your life at the right time can have an oversized impact. Mm-hmm. It creates the space for you to do the things that you want to do. And, um, and, and you, know, you know, talking about money can be really crass and it can be really, to seem really, you know, business and corporate and wonky and things like that. But it, financial freedom does, actually financial security does create artistic freedom. That's, that, I firmly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, real artists don't starve. You know, there's a book. We'll have to look up the name, the author of that book. But it's a it's a great concept. Mm-hmm. You know that if we can work on our business of songwriting and mm-hmm. keeping up managing, you know, what we're doing with our lives, mm-hmm. it does bring security. It mm-hmm. does bring the freedom to be more creative. Because I've seen this with some of the clients that I work with. Because we do this eight week premium boot camp thing where we're meeting online, you know, video conference calls, we're coaching, we offer uh, video training to kind of undergird all that. And they get in this this real uh, panic long about the sixth week because they feel like they've not written enough songs during the boot camp, they've not written enough great songs during the boot camp, and they just freak out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, my time's almost up, my time's almost up. And they're literally freaked out. And I'm like, look, you know, this whole thing is about equipping you to write forever, not just about this time that we're spending. And you can't write or be creative under stress. And that's what we're talking about with the financial side of yeah, it, right? Yeah, it's a very good so, point. I, it, and it brought me, we weren't in distress last year when I did our auction, but it was a great opportunity for us to put uh, more uh, capital into our company. Right, I mean, it, 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 yeah. it's a bigger it's a bigger boulder, if it were, that actually yeah. moves things. I mean, you know, what do you want to throw, pebbles into a stream or big rocks? You yeah, see what exactly. I'm saying? You, you know, bigger rocks yeah. and make a bigger splash, and that's yeah. just how it is, particularly with things like, 
I mean, to work with us, you have to have some history of royalty earnings. A lot of folks come to us and be like, hey, can you find me an investor? I got this new album coming out. They might, that doesn't work. You have to have some history that people can evaluate, generally around $2,500 a year, right? So let's say you're making $25,000, $3,000 a year in royalties, you know, that's kind of at that, at that threshold level. You know, you're getting that over the course of probably four quarters, all right? So now you're getting four quarterly checks of, okay, I'm not good at math, but it's, you know, a little less than yeah, $1,000 sure, a quarter, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. right? Like, you get that and you're just going to spend it on something, whatever. You're going to pay off a bill. You're going to maybe go to a nice dinner. Or, you know, it's not, it's not meaningful, impactful. You get eight years of that up front. That's something you could do something actually exactly. actual with, okay? Yeah. And, that, and that's the difference. And that, and that sets you up in a, in a much different place. So, Absolutely. you know, that's kind of how, how those things work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do have, anyone interested in coming to work, uh, to, to, do, work with to talk with you guys, mm-hmm. work with you, would need to have some history. I just want to reiterate that mm-hmm. because that's, that's true. It's not just for anybody interested in just, okay, can you help finance my songwriting right. habit? It's really for those people who've had some things recorded. Mm-hmm. Now, does that... Uh, is is there a distinction there for people that maybe they've had their own um, traveling ministry, for instance, right? And they travel and they sing, mm-hmm. but maybe they're self-published. Is there any leeway for working with self-published people, or Perhaps. is this more? What we look for, basically, we 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 need to work with someone. The the, the royalty stream that we work with has to be uh, uh, have some sort of standard uh, acceptable uh, form of collection and distribution. Okay, so typically, what we work with is uh, public performance royalties uh, that are paid through the uh, PROs, ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC. That's a large majority of of the kind of deals that we do. So as long as you're registered with those organizations and there's a flow of income coming through. Through those things, you could be self-published, but you should still be registered with the PRO because otherwise, right. I don't see how you're getting that, yeah. uh, how you're getting those royalties uh, sent to you. So the short answer, I guess, would be yes, so long as there was this entity that was over, you know, overseeing that collection and distribution because it's very uh, established, uh, you know, matter of sending, you know, the letter of direction to the organization that says, okay, from now on, X percent goes to the creator, X percent goes to the investor. That's an established system uh, that's easy to work with. If there's not a clear path uh, and and to ownership of collecting and distributing the royalties, then it's a little bit harder because we also have to make sure we're protecting the uh, investor as well. He can't, the investor can't pay for a royalty stream and then find out they're not going to actually receive it. So we have to, we have to make sure that that's going to be fair for both sides. I guess that's the big distinction there because if someone is self-published and it's all just lumped in with everything that they're earning from record sales, back of the room, you know, merch table right. kind of thing. Yeah, They're not see. really accounting to themselves for those royalties, even if they are under Yeah, well, things like merge and touring revenue are things that we don't uh, operate yeah. with. Particularly, I mean, there's so much strange accounting that goes into that oh, across yeah, the yeah, music yeah. business. It's, yeah. kind of, it's kind of a tough one and it's hard to track. And, and, right. But the other stuff is with, with streaming, with the move towards digital, the ability to the track and, and monitor and report more accurately and this stuff is going to make, is basically ultimately going to help the artists because they're going to be earning what they actually deserve and not just sort of this, uh, you know, yeah, you know kind of thing that's gone on in the past, you yeah. know, so it's a little yeah. bit of a better system. So say someone's listening and they come to you and mm-hmm. they've got uh, some kind of history mm-hmm. of being registered with a PRO, mm-hmm. having a publisher for their songs and some income stream, mm-hmm. generally 2500 in earnings over the last year is kind of the base. For the portion that you want to make available. For the you portion, can be earning far right. more, but at least you want to make available that portion. 
portion. Right. Whatever portion of the catalog you want to mm-hmm. uh, to offer there for possible auction. What well, what are the steps after that? How does the process unfold? Yeah, no problem. So we, you know, whether it's a phone call or whether you come in through the website, uh, royaltyexchange.com, uh, there's a raise money tab and it kind of explains the process for you. Um, you if you're going through online, you would fill out um, this form that would lead to this valuation form that I just uh, that I just mentioned. But you'll get uh, at the end of that, you'll you'll get the estimate, you'll get uh, the the analysis, things like that. And it'll be a, a button to say, you know, click to, you know, set up a time to to speak with us, basically. And so it usually involves does involve a phone call. We'll have someone from our artist relations team kind of walk you through the process, so you fully understand everything that we're that we're doing. Because you know, again, it just people have different expectations or, or preconceived notions of whatnot. We want to make sure everyone understands what it is exactly that we're doing and how it works. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll negotiate where the starting price should be. The nego- it's not really a negotiation because as the creator, it's your decision what you want the starting price to be. But we have done a lot of these auctions in the past and we have some um, history of results to share that I think would help understand that if you start, the lower you start the starting price of an auction, the better the auction generally does because what you want to do is get people in the door, so to speak. When you walk by a restaurant, do you walk into an empty restaurant or do you walk into a full restaurant, right? So investors look at that, they see three, four, five bidders, oh, i got to get in on this, so sorry, I'm getting a little too in the detail, but basically we, we explain how the uh, how the auction process works a little bit, and then once you uh, you know decide on your starting price, uh, we, we do the due diligence to make sure that there's you know unencumbered earnings, that you don't have any like tax liens or any other claims on the income that would get in the way of the investor uh, being able to have access to it. And then uh, we create a listing, you sign, you look at the listing, you sign the listing agreement saying, yes, this is all what I agree to. And then the listing goes on our site. Uh, We then market that listing to thousands of investors, 22,000 some investors via email and other, uh, other formats. So they know there's a new listing, they see the highlights of it. They come, read the listing, review the financials. It's all available there for everyone to take a look at on the site. And then once there's a bid, the auction kicks off. All right. The auctions generally last about three days, and you'll have a number of bidders that are investors that will register to watch the auction. They'll get alerts as the bidding takes place. Um, what happens is in the last five minutes of the auction, if anyone places a bid in the last five minutes of the scheduled auction, the auction automatically extends for another five minutes, and that's to allow that's to keep someone from what's called sniping the auction to like bid at the last second and then get it while someone else might have paid more. We want everyone to be able to fully express their desire for the catalog, and that tends to, uh, it's really exciting when you watch it, you'll see it kind of click up, you're like, oh, three, two, oh, there's another bid, and it just clicks back up again. It's really uh, kind of fun to watch. So when the auction ends, there'll be you know, a final, a final uh, amount raised. We'll uh, contact all parties. Hey, congratulations, your auction's over, here's how much you earned. We take our commission uh, from, from that sale. We handle all the paperwork from the money being transferred to the to the creator, so you get your you get your check to the transfer and handle all the paper for the transfer of the uh, royalty stream to the investor. And uh, then you're basically done, you know? And I'm proud to say that about two-thirds now of the people that we've ever worked with, like yourself, have either returned and uh, auctioned either a different part of their catalog or a different kind of royalty with us, or they've returned a friend. And that's, that's the, uh, the, best, the best 
testimony that I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been a bit of an evangelist for you guys. Thank you. We appreciate and, it very much. Uh, I was interviewed here in Nashville for the uh, Tennessean. That's right. Newspaper front page. Uh, I know. Wow, I was crazy. <laughs> uh, but I, I liked my I liked my picture. I was having a good hair day, so wow. it's like it, it worked. You know, <laughs> you're looking good now too, man. I don't know. I'm kind of feeling a little uh, <laughs> a little under uh, underdressed here. You're, you're cool, buddy. But yeah, so you know, I was pretty out front, and uh, maybe we'll post the. Um, uh, the link to that article yeah. in the show notes or something so people can read that. I was very upfront, yeah. you know, with my experience, with even the numbers, mm-hmm. you know, with what happened. And yeah. it was it was great, you know, and I'm uh, not ashamed. It was a great experience. Yeah. And love you guys, love what you're doing. Thank and you. I really appreciate that. So if any, I know that a lot of people that listen to our podcast have not really had songs recorded sure. and an income stream, but a lot of them have. Mm-hmm. I, 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 as I interact with different people in the music industry here, uh, our podcast has just been around a year, but I meet these artists when I call them or contact them about coming on the show, and they're like, well, I listen all the time. And I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're cooler than I thought we were, <laughs> right? But uh, if, if someone who does have uh, that income stream, they would, it'd be the same process. Just go to yep. royaltyexchange.com, contact you guys. And, and if, if, if you guys uh, hear about uh, Royalty Exchange through us, be sure and mention that Please to do. these guys. Let, us know, let them know that uh, what we're doing to support them is working. Absolutely. No, we, we appreciate that. And, I, and I'm, I know that our team's been in contact with you regularly, letting you, you know, thank you, and let you know when those yeah. things do happen. Oh, so yeah. it's always appreciative. Absolutely. Love Clayton. Work with yes. Clayton a Clayton's lot. Clayton's one of the guys that'll be moving here in Nashville. So Clayton and Nick so will be here cool. shortly. Uh, probably by June, they'll both be here uh, on a full-time basis. So That's great. You'll be seeing them around, I hope. Uh, we're going to be the welcome, the welcome committee, the welcome wagon <laughs> uh, for Nick and Clayton and happy to have them here and uh, just looking forward to continuing to build the relationship. Any, any last-minute things you'd like to say to our audience about what you do? You know, I think, you know, we try to get it all out there. I think it's worth knowing that, you know, again, uh, we, we do feel that information and transparency is really um, two of the things that we hope that we can bring to the music, uh, at least this portion of the music business that historically hasn't been there. I mean, um, you know, investors who want to be involved in this, uh, they just, they need to be able to see, how, you know, how things are, how things are earning and, 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 and what's there. And I think that too often we've tried to put that under the rug a little bit. And so artists don't know what they're earning. Investors don't understand. There's, there's royalty transactions and catalog transactions in this town, particularly all the time. No one really knows how much it went for, that kind of thing. So I think transparency and keep it, making the information more available to everybody is ultimately going to expand this business for all, particularly the creator. That's our philosophy, and that's why we do things the way we do. Fantastic. Anthony Bruno with Royalty Exchange. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a yeah, true pleasure. Thank we you. We wish you the best and look for great things to come. All right. Great. All right, man. Thanks for listening in today on the Song Revolution Podcast. If you're wanting to take your songwriting to the next level, be sure to jump over to NashvilleChristianSongwriters.com right now to check out all the valuable resources that we have there for you, especially NCS Membership, where you can go deeper into a community of like-minded songwriters and tap into encouraging blogs, videos, powerful masterclasses, and a whole lot more to get you where you really want to go. I'll see you next time.